Hey guys, what's going on? It's uh, Nick here, and I just wanted to take a few seconds before this uh, episode starts and just let you guys know some things that we have going on. The uh, The first thing is, go check out our website, www.buckandstruttingoutdoors.com. I'll provide a link in the description on this podcast. So be sure to check that out. We have, uh, we have some articles on there. We have some uh, hats for sale. So check those things out. The, uh, the second thing is, I want to let you guys know that we are on TikTok now, so if you're on TikTok and you want to connect with us or see what kind of content we're putting out, be sure to check that out, and the handle is just at Buck and Shutting Outdoors. The, uh, the third thing here is, I just want to let you guys know that we are so thankful and appreciate all the support and the feedback that we've gotten from our listeners. Uh, this, this honestly, I didn't think it would be what it is today, and it's just growing so with that thank you so much if you haven't already whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on go down there and leave us a comment in the review box and hit a star i don't care how many stars hit a star and leave us some form of rating okay so thank you guys again so much i hope you guys enjoy this episode and as always stay safe and hunt relentlessly Welcome to the Buck and Strutton Podcast, the chronicles of two unlegendary public land hunters. Your home for hunting tactics, strategies, and stories. All right, guys. Welcome back to the uh, the Buck and Strutton podcast. Today on the show, we have Scott Pratt with Horny Deer Sense. Scott, how you doing, man? Doing great. Appreciate the invite, fellas. Dude, I'm so stoked to have you on here. Uh, I remember it's probably been about a year and a half now, maybe two years at most. Whenever I think we started our Instagrams around kind of the same time, and I saw your guys's profile pop up, and I'm like, that is freaking epic. Like. <laughs> At some point in time, I'm going to have to talk to this guy because what better name than Horny Deer Sense? Uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, when we had the idea to, you know, put put the product out on the market, you know, we're just kicking around names. And uh, I, I honestly couldn't believe nobody had trademarked it yet. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a it's a blessing and a curse. Uh, in one sense, it's a funny name, but at the same time, behind it is a hell of a product. And so, like, you don't you don't want to be a, a caricature of a, a deer scent company. I mean, you 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 got a legit product. You just gotta get it in people's hands and let them see for themselves. Exactly, and that's you know I think that as as we're progressing into you know the the outdoor industry or hunters in general, there's always these different booms and things are happening left and right i think that people are starting to realize that they can use deer sense deer lures outside of just a rut and, absolutely and I, I i don't think that's like been a um, more or less a known piece of information which 
you get these guys like you know small company guys that they're starting out or however long you guys have been doing this that's freaking awesome like support them versus your your big companies in my opinion. Well, and it's a there is a very big educational process that goes into it uh, but from our standpoint so kind of the backstory we have family that actually are involved in raising deer so we were kind of ahead of the curve a little bit in you know like everybody else i had purchased my fair share of big box store urine you know and then at some point you start putting a little thought into it it's like wait a minute i'm in this store in march and they got doe and estrus on the shelf you know somebody's gonna buy that this fall and uh just through our family you now we had been using fresh since you know the last few years and just the the effectiveness i mean it, it's absolutely like night and day but most people you know going back to the educational part of that most people you know they're going to stop at any given store on their way to the hunting lease over the weekend and pick up a bottle that's been out there for god knows how long you know but it's just things that people don't think about right Right. And I, I guess, you know, you, you probably know a little bit more about this. What happens when that urine is sat on the shelves for so long? Well, in part of it, when, and this is not knocking anybody, you know, we never drop any names about anything like that. I mean, business is business, but a lot of it goes into the distribution. And so when product, you know, goes to a distribution company, even before it's in a store, it's stored somewhere, right? And so in order to get around some of that, not only does the product age, but it's got preservatives and different things that go into it. So kind of the niche that we saw with it, and it started on a local level, you know, and at some point, like the demand grew and it's like, holy hell, I think we can sell this shit, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and it, I mean, it really just kind of snowballed from there. And then it was like, you know, let's come up with a name. And then, you know, then Horny, <laughs> that's where Horny came from. Uh, but essentially, so deer urine in general, the two main factors that affect the freshness of it is exposure to light and exposure to oxygen. So when we went to putting ours into containers, and obviously, from a price perspective, it is so much cheaper to go with, you know, plastic housing for the product and whatnot. But we wanted to put all of our focus in keeping the integrity of the product for as long as possible. So even every, everything that we did in the bottles is designed for that. One, we got the very dark amber glass bottles. We put it in glass, you know, cause even plastic, even pharmacy grade plastic at some point can be compromised. So we go dark amber glass, even our label wraps all the way around the glass to further shield it from light. We put the spray nozzle on the top so that you don't have to open it every time that you use it, exposing it to oxygen. And, you know, and especially if you're keeping it out of really extreme temperatures and maybe storing it in a cool place where you're not using it, it'll be fresh and effective all season long. That's awesome. That, and I didn't really think about that with the uh, that that amber colored glass being a bigger protectant than anything, you know. Oh yeah, and our labels, you know, we got dark black labels, and you know that further goes into all of that. 
and even like on a, a local level with the different stores that we're in uh, obviously you know as we grow and you know expand our footprint uh, there's going to be some hurdles as far as being able to do it but within a, a certain radius of here at the shop you know we will actually exchange old product or new product for old product so i got a number of stores locally i don't even want it on the shelf you know in myself i'll use it and it's still effective you know even after a year's time if it's stored properly but i don't want that on the shelf for somebody to buy like when they pick up one of our bottles i want them to know that is a fresh I mean, it, there's times where somebody will purchase a bottle that within the two weeks prior was in the bladder of a deer. And like that, that's our whole thing. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're just putting out a really fresh, effective product. You know, it, that's interesting. You, you talk about this and we've like before we start recording, I was kind of telling you that that's mainly what we use is 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 deer piss that's when we're out in the woods we find a hot scrape you know we tinker with it ourselves and try to get all the intel that we can my uh, my sister and for people listening you guys have probably heard this story before but my sister hit a button buck and they brought the deer out to my house we quartered it up and dustin here got the bright idea you know why don't we take its bladder yeah and pour it into one of our uh you know dripper bottles and see what happens well we did that the next day we go out to the woods throw it in a hot scrape and i mean maybe it was just luck maybe it was just how it was all supposed to happen but we weren't sitting in that stand for more than five minutes and a big old eight corner came walking through yeah that's you know and i tell people all the time it's like if you put it out there particularly during the rut i mean it's absolutely nasty during the rut if you put it out there and a deer, a buck smells it, I mean, odds are you're going to see that deer. You know, if if you put it out and, you know, a deer doesn't cross its path, I mean, it's not going to, you know, bring a deer in from the next county or one up here from nowhere. But even myself, I mean, there's been times, particularly last year, I was hunting right down in South Georgia, and it was a particularly windy day and most people hate hunting on windy days i love hunting on windy days mm -hmm. in the stand anytime the wind would pick up and that's the thing about the spray bottle too you know anytime the wind would kick up i'm spraying it and you you do want to be careful because if the wind shifts you will wear it <laughs> <laughs> you will taste it yeah I'm, I'm kind of uh i've grown a very high tolerance for it but it it, it happens but there was one particular day, and we've all, all experienced those magical days. This was one of those days. Every time the wind would kick up, I'm spraying it into the wind. I cannot tell you, ranging from spikes, you know, I didn't see anything big enough to kill, but it was the funnest day I've ever had in the woods without shooting something. Ranging from spikes, there was one time I had three eight-point bucks within 45 yards of, of my stand. I've got it on video. They were coming from downwind, stopping underneath my tree. I got, I'm literally looking down at a spike and like they stopped there where I'm spraying and they're looking for that hot dough. I come up 
you know, like most everybody else, you're kind of uneducated on the whole process of even collecting deer urine. I'm sure that urine you took out of that button buck was not a dark brown urine. No. For a long time, most of my life, every time I used a product that I bought in the store, I thought deer piss was dark brown, you know, <laughs> and it's absolutely not. So how, how how does that process go, you know, whenever you guys are harvesting this deer urine? So before, like right now, we have products out there like Doanestrus, our D-Harmony Rut Blend. It's absolutely nasty. I use it year-round in mock scrapes. But to be able to right now have effective fresh dough and estrus, there's actually a process where they're brought into a large barn and they're shielded from light except for you know certain periods of time that trigger that process of sending sending them into the rut or sending them into their estrus cycle. Right. So it's, I mean, it's really it's so much it's so much more simple than people would think it is, but. The big thing about it is we're not we're not doing this and then you know putting it on a shelf a year later. You know right. it, everything we don't store much of anything you know for long periods of time. A lot of people don't know it, but we bottle throughout the season. So you know there's a, a very good chance if you purchase from us in November, you know we put the bottle date on the bottle, the month and the the year that that product gets bottled. There's a good chance in November, you know, particularly if you purchase mid to late November, where you're actually using something that was bottled that very month. That's our whole whole thing is just putting, you know, we don't have to do anything crazy. Nature helps us with that. That's cool. That's that's really cool. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about the different products. So we've got the dough nesters obviously you know always effective is always a go-to uh where we've seen the most uh effective product of ours as far as our line in mock scrapes our d harmony it's absolutely nasty i mean it's uh without getting into all the details it contains a good percentage of buck and rut and a good percentage of dough and estrus and just some of the stories we get back. There's a gentleman up in Iowa. We did our we did our first and only trade show uh, up at the Iowa Deer Classic year before last. It was right as the pandemic was hitting. So uh, first part of March that year, we go up there. Nobody knows who the hell we are. By the time we leave, they're wearing our shirts all around the trade show. And you know we're just getting started. You know we're happy as hell. The rest of the trade shows get canceled that year. So like there we are. But one of the gentlemen that we met up there, his name is Colton Bennett, and um, I actually have his story recorded. You can probably find it on our Instagram page. But he was using it. It was a kind of a rainy day. Uh, you know, he had doctored his mock scrape, uh, sent wick up above it, where the wind or the rain had caused that to drip down into the scrape, right? He sees this eight point come through and uh, catches the trail and comes up to a scrape. And he, he tells me in the story, he's like, I've never seen a deer do this. And he said he, he started putting his rack down in, into the scrape. He said, next thing you know, he laid down and started rolling around on his back like a dog. He said, I don't know what it was. He's just like, he just wanted it on him. And uh, he's up in Iowa and, his, and it was a good, good size eight point. But I mean, it wasn't like 150, 160 or anything like they got up there. But 
he said, uh, you know, after seeing that, he said that I had no choice but to shoot that deer, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but, but there's multiple, there's multiple stories where people are having experiences that they've never had before because they've never had something like that in their hands, that fresh, that effective. Um, it's absolutely phenomenal in mock scrapes. I use it year round. Uh, our buck and rut is called stud finder and it comes from a dominant buck and there's also a percentage of doe and estrus and, and that's that's the fun part about it is getting to play mad scientist <laughs> yeah you get to experiment yeah. with different blends um but it's one of those you, you got the dominant buck but you know they smell so much better than we do like the slightest hint of anything and it, it you know it could be a dab of fox urine to you know further put them at ease or something like you just never know exactly what reaction that you're going to get so the stud finder has got dominant bug it also has you know a certain percentage of doe and estrus in that one and then outside of that we've got our cover sense which is just you know buck not not in rut just regular buck urine and regular doe urine and uh that's our line right now um we've got a scent spray coming out next year that we're working on called no blow uh yeah it kind of <laughs> kind of falls in line with everything else but uh i've been using it it was actually supposed to be out this this year we ran into some supply chain product or problems but the no blow used alongside of the cover scent i mean it, it's, it's, don't get me wrong it's not ozonics but it's as close to invisible as you're going to get that's that's really cool man i i think that i just i think products like this are pretty freaking awesome i think that when you get out there especially for a lot of these new guys that are getting into hunting or trying to fit, learn about these things there's not like a central hub where they can pick all this information up on yeah, there's a, and that's the big disconnect right now. It's kind of where we started talking about just the educational process. Right. But here's the thing. Once you have one of those experiences, you will think twice every time you stop to pick a bottle up, you know, and you're in the back of your mind, you're going to be wondering how long has this been sitting here? You know, like it may be your only choice. Maybe and something's better than nothing, I guess, a lot of times. But I've also heard stories where people have seen deer spook from using a really old product. That's, you know, I go into uh, some of the stores around here and I, I see some of these products that are like, like you've said, sitting there year round and just kind of makes my wheels start turning in my brain. Like what the hell? I don't, is this like two years ago? Like his name will yeah. be able to get the product off the shelf. I don't know. I've got a guy, uh, we're in a store up, uh, up the mountain here, up in uh, Blue Ridge. He told me straight up, he's got bottles that's been out there for three years. And that's another store. You know, if I just uh, went and picked his bottles that were left over from last year and they'll get exchanged for a new product this year. That's awesome. That, that in the, the whole idea that, you know, you were talking about too, about if somebody swings by and has old bottle exchanging them out. That's cool. You don't see that you don't really see that kind of customer service that much anymore. Well, it's customer service, but it's also, it's just reputation in general. Like right. if somebody sees a bottle of hours out, if they see 
like I mentioned being in you know big store and seeing a bottle of estrus in March. If they see our product in March, I want them to know that it's not going to be there come fall. Like we don't do anything complicated. We don't have a whole line of products. You know, we've got a handful of products that we use, we know work, and we're not going to complicate it any more than we have to. That's cool. That's really cool. So if you were to talk to somebody who, you know, you're talking to a new hunter who doesn't know a damn thing about setting up a mock scrape or anything like that, how would you walk them through that? Yeah, I would, I would start by telling them don't make it any more complicated than it has to be. I mean, really, uh, you want to find a good accessible branch and obviously there's an educational process as far as what that entails. But a lot of people going back to that, they don't realize that those licking branches, they get utilized all year long. It's not exactly. just during the rut. Exactly. So there's, I would say two, if you're going to make one, don't do it in the middle of the woods. You know, if you, wherever you're hunting make it you know fairly i don't like doing it within 75 yards of where i'm going to be putting a stand and obviously you want to account for you know how the wind generally blows in that area and those are all things that come along in the process but i would say don't overcomplicate it you know if you're if you're making a mock scrape to you know initiate some track uh, you know some additional traction in a particular area Put it somewhere visible, you know, it, it's like back in the day, I used to put feeders out in the middle of the woods and it's, it's so stupid. I want to go back and slap myself <laughs> They're out there in the middle of the woods where I'm not at dark around dark and deer that I was never even seeing unless I got them on camera. So it's just thinking about the location, uh, you know, just do your best to, mimic what you see and that's usually you know a fairly large uh cleaned off spot of the ground and uh, a decent uh licking branch up above it but you really don't have to put just a whole lot of thought into it you're you're right and i mean like you said before i think that we've talked about this on other podcasts that we've done with talking about mock scrapes that deer do use the licking branch all year round you know that's a big form of communication for them oh yeah well, you know, before we got started, we, you know, you mentioned the CWDE issues out there in Missouri. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so there's so many spots like that where it is a communal thing year long. Like, no, any given measure is going to completely stop something like that. Which everything that we put out CWD certified, but there's so much more communal than people give them credit for and you know just something as simple as a licking branch you know bugs does the whole gamut they're going to be visiting it they are and that's because all we hunt is, is public land down here and if you if you're trying to gain intel on a spot no one break the law i mean you got to figure out another way to take some inventory yeah so that <laughs> Yeah, it's proved to work. It, it has proved to work, but the big thing that it, it really just kind of made my wheels and my head start turning when um, we had that button butt incident with putting his urine out. It's like, man, if this stuff is new or as new as you can get it, it just that seems to be right where you need to be. Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, and when you put it out like we do, you don't have to account for, you know, diluting it down with preservatives or anything else. You know, uh, if if you buy, let's say today you purchase uh, one of our RUC products, you know, as long as you're not exposing it to a great deal of oxygen, as long as it's not sitting in a hundred degree temperature in your vehicle, it, I mean, it'll last you. There's a, a very realistic four to six month shelf life you know, and that's not being refrigerated. That's, you know, a product actually being used. If it's refrigerated, there's product that doesn't sell that I'll use year round and still see phenomenal results, results with. But again, those products aren't going to be sold the following year. So I guess that. Sorry, I guess uh, that's my next question for you is if if someone buys products now, you know, we still have a few more months from uh, from the rut, storing them in just a cool place. You know, you could, could you throw them in your refrigerator then? Absolutely. Or, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, to, and that's another kind of misconception too. People think that you have to use rut products during the rut. But the truth of the matter is different deer come into that cycle at different times. It's not like you have a herd and you flip a switch and everybody's like, uh, let's go, let's go have some sex. You know, <laughs> like there's deer chronicled throughout the year mating. I'm talking like spring. I'm talking any, any month of the year somewhere there's, you know, a deer successfully closing the deal. Now there are peaks to the rut, you know, obviously. And all that, all that that suggests is that at a certain given time, you know, when the, the, the time of day is constricted to a certain area. Like there are peaks of the rut where it brings in, you know, the highest percentage of that herd into that cycle, but you don't have to use that type of product specifically in the rut. As far as the, the D harmony, I mentioned it a lot. Uh, I'm a big fan. And like, I don't go in the woods without it, particularly during, you know, the bow season and stuff, right when you start seeing the bachelor groups kind of breaking up and even even seeing hard antlers that is a sign that we're moving in to that rut period you know when the velvet comes off the bachelor groups start splitting up you know the boys they're competing with each other now all it takes is one deer moving into that phase smelling something that peaks in interest i mean that's literally all it takes that that is very true that is very true. And I, and that's kind of, you know, the hope for this podcast right here is to just educate people a little bit more on this process and how it works, you know? Oh, absolutely. Well, I appreciate the invite, you know, just to be able to talk through it because, you know, we've all as hunters, you know, it's very much like the maturation process just of a human being. I mean, you, you grow as a hunter and it's not to, it's not to look down on anybody for not, having a piece of information it's just that they haven't been exposed to it yet exactly and that's where you know like i am a non i'm not i'm a non-traditional hunter man like i i i've only been bow hunting hunting in general for six years now no hey better late than never well exactly and that's the amount of information because originally it's like you know the first probably two years it's that what the hell am i even doing 
you know, I had yeah, I still feel like this that. tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, hell, a lot of times I still feel like that. But as you start to learn more and take time, read some books, spend more time out in the tree stand, that's the biggest thing right there. Is yeah, there's out nothing there. replacing it. Yeah. But learning about all these things for somebody just getting into it, man, that's a scary freaking task. Especially because, I mean, I was completely obsessed with it. I yeah. White tails immediately took over my life, and my girlfriend hates me for it. But it, <laughs> I would say she'll get over it, but she probably won't. Probably she'll, she'll, she'll learn to live with it. Probably not. But there, so, and that's one of our big pushes. You know, the, obviously, every year the number of hunters shrinks. You know, so one of our big things is is getting people involved in hunting, especially adults. But I remember back you know, kind of my late teens when I you know, really started spending a lot of time out in the woods and everything, I'll say if anybody's listening to this, that's thinking about getting into hunting, don't put a ton of pressure on yourself. You know, like when I first, when I first started spending a lot of time in the woods, if I was up in a tree and I dropped a water bottle or something, I was like, oh shit, there goes my hunt. You know, like, and I wouldn't have confidence the rest of the morning. I, I was just so sure that I had ruined my hunt with something that I had done stupid. At this stage in life, I've done so many stupid things and still seen a bunch of deer, killed deer, and seen so many unpredictable things happen. Just time in the stand, you know don't feel like every little move is crucial you know you're gonna mess up on deer everybody does but don't let it get to you at the level that i did you know you can recover from mistakes i mean as long as you're out there you're learning it's just like anything else uh you know they say it takes ten thousand hours to be a professional at anything you know it it, it takes time it does. It does. That's <laughs> that is the truth. So what uh with how busy your company is, you know, especially probably going into deer season, how often do you guys get to get out to the stand and hunt? Well, personally, you know, I get to I get to spend a decent amount of time in the woods, but it, it has to be a very close radius to the house. Okay. Um, and I'm kind of the only one saddled with that, but I'm, I'm fine with it. I got, you know, a couple of decent spots within 15 minutes of the house that I can go sit and, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, scoping out anything that any of my buddies in Iowa or Illinois or any of those hell Missouri that you guys be jealous of, but I never have, <laughs> you know? Uh, if I if I see a, a 130 to 140 class around here, yeah, I feel I feel really good about it. Uh, as long as they don't cross on the neighbor's property, but I have to I have to stay I have to stay pretty close to the house, and uh, particularly during the rut, I get a usually a couple two or three day trips during the rut. Uh, planning on going up to Illinois this this year, and I have an annual trip down to South Georgia with a group of buddies. But, uh, yeah, it, it, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I, I love it, but I just love being exposed to it and being around it. I love, 
I love living vicariously through the people that come back to me and have these stories where they're just blown away. And then, you know, just the thought of being attached to that lifetime memory. Every time they tell that story, you know, whether they mention horned deer sense or whatnot, like in their mind, in, in a way we're right there with them, you know? So I, I live vicariously through a lot of people. That's awesome. That, that's awesome. So do you, whenever, all right. So do you, whenever you uh, are going out, do you feel as if you can overuse this stuff? No, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. <laughs> That's actually, I'm glad you brought that up. So last year, in one of my other annual hunts, um, we've got a, a really cool place that is open to us in uh, in Alabama. And it's usually the first part of February and everything in Georgia is obviously closed. So this, this past February, I had... Uh, a certain amount of product left that wasn't sold and like i said we're not going to hang on to it and sell it the following year so i had to do something with it so i took it down there with the intent of exploring that can i spook a deer with the amount of piss that i'm going to pour in this field <laughs> so i take two gallon jugs right this is one evening hunt. I've got a, I've got a, a gallon of buck and rut. I've got a gallon of doe and esters with me. Evening hunt, one hunt, one, one evening. I have hand one to my buddy. He was videoing that night or that evening, and uh, I took the other. And you would, you don't realize how much a gallon of piss is until you're trying to pour it out. Like it, <laughs> like it took forever. You know, we're covering covering the whole field and it was really just conducting one an experiment to see if we could spook a deer Two, you know i felt like we could pull something from 500 yards away <laughs> <You know? laughs> so we empty all of it out in this field and um, sure enough uh, probably you know maybe an hour after we were there there were a, a group of does and yearlings come out exactly where we were pouring it out and i'm talking in puddles like it, it yeah i mean it was awful and uh they come out and obviously you know you could see them smelling where we were and where we'd poured and stuff but never saw the least bit of difference in their demeanor they went about feeding in some of the areas where we could, had just poured it i mean they acted completely normal we had you know deer throughout the evening come in and not one of them changed anything in their behavior that's very interesting i could have answered that question before that <laughs> i really didn't know that that is that's very interesting because i think i don't know if i read something watched something a long time ago but it, it it's one of those deals where someone's trying to write something put it out so on and so forth well and that's the thing you know that was my experience with it and somebody somebody else could have done something you know but there's always the thought that if a deer spooks we truly never know exactly we, you know we might have a pretty good idea but we truly never know what the cause of it was and i'm not saying anybody's had a different experience i'm saying for myself we poured out two gallons of fresh estrus buck and rut and we saw zero difference in behavior and that could be the thing right there is that maybe their stuff was old 
Well, I have, and I've personally had deer spook off to, to old product. Um, and I, we hear a lot of stories, you know, it's particularly like on social media, somebody will send us a question and they're asking about it. And uh, we, we do have a lot of people that throw up some hesitancy because they have used product that actually spooked deer before. Now, I'll say this too. We have, I have seen just this past year, actually, uh, I had a, a ground blind set up and every evening there were these two yearlings, a little, a little buck and a little doe come in every, I mean, it was like clockwork. And uh, I had some wicks out with some fresh doe and estrus. And at some point that evening, those two yearlings were out there. And all of a sudden, these three big mature does rush into the field. Like they, they thought they were smelling another doe on their territory. And when they got there and it's so fresh that when they didn't see that deer, they didn't spook off, but you could tell they were really confused. They were really on alert. They're, you know, they're trying to piece together why that deer is not where it should be. I have seen things like that, but it absolutely pulled them into the field. They come in ears back. I mean, they thought another doe was in their territory. That's pretty cool. I mean, it was really cool to see. Uh, I think it freaked the hell out of those, those yearlings there. <laughs> I, I can imagine. So what a when does when does Georgia's bow opener? September eleventh. We are less than eleventh. Less than two weeks. Yeah, you guys are what four days ahead of us then. It yeah, it's it's nice to have an early season, but man, it's uh it, it's brutally hot and humid that time of year. Um and usually usually what happens is about the week before it starts or two weeks before it starts, like we'll have a nice little cool streak come in and you're thinking, Oh yeah, it's going to be right. And then it hits and it's just an oven. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds about like Southwest Missouri. Oh, it's brutal. You got, you guys have any plans hunting the early season? I do. I mean, it's kind of as hot as it is, as miserable it is, you know, um, Thermos sales have changed my life. Uh, you know, back in the day, I was wearing like the the mosquito jackets, and you know, even if you wear them though, there's there's nothing quite as annoying as that that ringing in your ear when they're buzzing by your ear. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, and even back then, you know, I would weather the storm with it, but it, it's just you know. As hot as it is, as humid as it is, as miserable, there's just no way that I can resist the temptation of being out in the woods. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's my happy place. Exactly. That's kind. Of, that's how we feel. We're uh, it, it's kind of like it's been. It seemed like it went by really quick until we get to these last three weeks, and it's like, holy shit, it's just dragging on now. Yeah, it's uh. You know, we've been, and it's it's all good things that's going on. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Michael Lee in Backwoods Life, um, mm-hmm. but we're gonna be working with them some this fall, and we got some just some really really cool things coming down the pipe, and uh, we're uh, working with WindSense. We're gonna be in WindSense cartridges this fall. Uh, so a lot of a lot of things have been going on leading up to season. So. 
for me, where it's normally dragging, like I turn around and it's like, holy hell, we're here. You know, yeah, I, I better start shooting some more. And yeah. <laughs> it, it got on top of me in a hurry. Yeah. So that's, I guess, like, you know, what, what do you, if you could kind of just predict the future of how you think corner deer sense is going to go here in the next year, five years, what would you say? Man, <laughs> I'm, I'm about afraid to say, uh, I think if we, my, my big thing is, you know, how, how far can it go and not compromise anything that we're doing? Right. You know, I, I know personally of some companies, particularly on the scent side, once we got into exploring different scents and, uh, figuring out and, you know, coming up with our own scent spray, uh, you, you get exposed to some certain information. And I know, you know that there have been companies that made decisions once they got to a certain scale to where their product wasn't what it was, which was what got them there, you know? So for us, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, it's kind of my dream just to be doing this solely, you know, for a living in, you know, I'm not a greedy individual, but you get to a point in life, you know, I'm 41 years old now. You kind of start looking at life a little differently. You know, you, you kind of on the back nine a little bit. And it's like, how, how do I want to spend the last half of my time here? And really as, as far as predictions or anything like that goes, I, I couldn't tell you, but if it allows me the ability to continue to do what I love and, you know, take away those quality experiences from what time I've got left here, I'll be the happiest man on earth. What more can you ask for? No, no nothing. Man, I'm going to change the subject here because I'm sitting here and I've been looking at those pretty good looking turkey fans right behind you. Those, uh, uh, those are this past season. Those that this past season? Yep. The, uh, so does Georgia have a fall turkey season? No, we don't. It's you, it's all spring. Do you do any fall turkey hunting anywhere else or no? And I'll be honest with you. So you got you got started late on deer hunting. I got started late on turkey hunting. Yeah. Um, so uh growing up, you know, my dad, he he wasn't a turkey hunter. You know, during deer season it was deer, during the spring it, it was a largemouth bass. And um I'd always had buddies you know, trying to get me to go turkey hunting. Oh, you'll love it. You'll love it. And I, I'm sitting here thinking, there's no way a freaking bird's going to touch a, a big buck. Like, I'm sorry. I I just can't see taking taking the same experience away from it. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> so, about four years ago, my cousin, he had gotten started relatively late too. And uh, at the time, he had only killed like a couple of jakes, but he, he was hooked. And, um, he talked, he talked me into going with him. And this was, this was probably four, four years or so ago. And at the time, you know, I, we really didn't have a, a lot of places to go turkey hunting. So we were relying on public property, which sounds like what you guys do. And, um, around here, especially, you know, turkey hunting's really big. So on public property, I mean, you just accept the fact that you're going to work, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, kind of like you starting out with, with deer hunting, we were both, you know, he had hunted turkey more than I had and 
but we were still so very much beginners and still are, to be honest with you. And um, it, it was so much trial and error. We worked so much. We walked. I don't know. Like it, it literally got to the point. I didn't even enjoy, I didn't enjoy turkey hunting. I was just too damn stubborn to quit. Like once I had started, there was just nothing going to do except killing a turkey at that point. And at one point I just made it my mind. Once I do kill a turkey, I'm, I'm done with it. I don't, I don't <laughs> you know, and then, you know, lo and behold, uh, we went through, we went through a couple, couple of seasons where neither one of us were, he had gone with somebody else and killed a, a jake, but as far as me, first couple of seasons, I didn't kill anything, you know. And uh, and I would say that too about people to look at looking to get into deer hunting or turkey hunting, fishing, whatever. Like you gotta you gotta be some level of stubborn. It's not gonna come easy. It's gonna take work. Like, but it 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 comes if you stick with it. And um, eventually, you know, just through trial and error and spending time in the field and learning and uh you know it, it's kind of coming together and i'll say i'm still very much beginner but i feel a lot more confident going out than i did a couple of years ago i i'd have I to just had one mounted you want to see it yeah Hold on a second. that's freaking sick it turned out great yeah it did yeah yeah, I did, did a good job. Yeah, I actually, I think you put that up on your Instagram, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I just picked yeah. him up. Yeah, that was uh, he, that was from season before last. But all all three of those that was this past year. That's awesome, man. That's you know that's the turkey the turkey hunting game. I have not killed a turkey yet. That's I'll tell you this: if if somebody can turkey hunt, they can deer hunt. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you turkey hunting to make you a better deer hunter. Guarantee. It is. Um, there's a there's a whole new level of respect for those <laughs> birds from me. I'll say that. Yeah, I'm assuming where you're at, too. Because I heard you, you made a comment earlier about, you know, up the mountain. It's probably hills and hollers, right? Dude, behind my house. So, behind the house, my backyard butts up to the Cahutta Wilderness. It's 19,000 acres of federal land. It's the, it's the largest land mass this side of Mississippi. And it literally butts up to my backyard. But it is mountainous. Uh, you work and, you know, there's a very, from turkey hunters especially, it's like a badge of honor if you can take one off of that mountain. You know, like anybody can climb in a blind, put some decoys out in the field and kill a, a turkey if that property holds turkey. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Right, hey, I'll, I'll take I'll take an easy route, you know, most times given the opportunity. But I will say. The learning curve back here behind the house is is it's been so steep but it's been such an incredible experience to to chase them back there and you know just to go out and hear a gobble you know at daybreak it's almost like the equivalent of seeing a deer like you go hunting you feel good if you at least see a deer right right now, you may never get in the game when you hear that gobble you may never see him but for that split second it's like ah game on you know and uh there's not been there's not been one morning where i regretted climbing out of bed to go that 
so that's kind of Dustin here. He's been more or less my mentor getting into turkey hunting, learning how to actually call and do the right things. And my expectations before we went out, I'm like, man, it's just a bird. Like we're going to be right on, <laughs> right on them, you know? And, and that's, oh yeah, it, it changed real quick. It, Cause it, you know, deer hunting, I'm not scared to go down to the ridges and the hollers and to get to where we're going, but chasing those damn toms that they're freaking smart too. You know, like, eh, well, we might not come in, but we're going to go to the next ridge over. And if you, then if you come over to us, we might see what's going on. Yeah. They've, uh, they, they said they've got the brain size of a marble. And yeah. What, what makes it so incredibly difficult is there's such a paranoid animal, mm-hmm. you know, like, like a deer, the deer kind of like what we're talking about. You can mess up on a deer and still get a shot off. Like I, a number of times I've done something stupid and the deer, you know, obviously react, but settle down and hang around long enough to get another shot. If a turkey gets the slightest sense that something ain't right, he, he's gone. Yep, and you're just you're just sitting there. I, I won't say what you're holding, but you're just kind of sitting there. You're holding your head in your hand, like, well, here we are. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of the where at where I was at this turkey season. That's just kind of how it all happened. I actually had some really good encounters, but <laughs> I could have just about come unglued. Oh yeah, well, and to be. You know, and I'm not knocking anybody that hunts in the blind. I killed, you know, two of these out of a blind last year. Uh, I'm not hating on any anybody that does that. But to, particularly in a, in a mountaintop setting, you know, it's no different than warfare. Whoever has the, the high size got the advantage, right? So just being, being back there in it's just a whole new respect for that bird knowing what you know about it. Like it's not, it's not got the, you know, a high IQ or the the IQ of a deer even, but nature has equipped it with some laser vision that will bust your ass. Yes, it will. (laughs) It's fun though. God, I love it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to deer season, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't jonesing for turkey season too. Yeah. Yeah, and that's you know after the first couple seasons hunting with Dustin here, I'm just man, this turkey season stuff's crap. Like, this is waking up way too damn early to go out and run my ass off from here in the Ozark Mountains. What the hell? And I mean, yeah. there, there's a little part of me that's just like, ah, oh, you're doing it right though. Starting out with somebody that that kind of knows the ropes, uh, it, it cuts out a lot of a lot of the learning curve that goes into it. But there's also there's there's don't get me wrong it's great to get on a turkey it's great to kill a turkey but like me and my cousin um you know we grew up and he's involved with horny deer since but we grew up we were actually next door neighbors until we were like 10 years old and uh even now he's the one that i predominantly turkey hunt with most of the time and so every morning that we're out there you know that special period of time before the woods start coming awake and we're out there with a thermos of coffee and just shooting the shit and just talking about stuff that you, you just don't talk about most times. And like it, it is a moment that really, to me, defines why we do so much of what we do. 
you know, it's, it's great to harvest an animal. I love the challenge, you know, the particular turkey, the chest match that goes into it, but it pales in comparison to be able to do those things with people that you care about. Yeah. And that the camaraderie aspect of that is, uh, that's a big factor. You know, I, yeah. I love, I, that's probably my favorite part, getting everybody together. You know, we all could be hunting at different ends of the national forest or whatever. We'll, we'll meet back up after the hunt, you know, have a cold beverage and just talk about what we saw. And it's funny that, that happens during deer season, but as life gets busy, you know, some of my buddies, they got kids who are in sports doing this, this, and this, it doesn't happen as much in the, in the summer months, which that driving factor for the fall right there. Yeah. And you know, it's tough during the summer. Uh, it's so hot out and you know, even if you go fishing, you can only fish to a certain time in the morning or evening. Hell, I guess we probably, fish at night more than anything during the summer. Uh, but there, there's there's just special moments that happen when you're out there. And none of it happens if you don't get out there. Exactly. You know, those are the memories that, that stick with you. You know, I had a, my little brother, you know, passed away over 15 years ago now. Um, just a few years younger than me. And as time goes on, you know, when something like that first happens, everything's really fresh in your memory and you just think that you'll hold on to things forever. Right. And then after a certain period of time, memories fade, you know, if somebody brings something up, you recall it. But as far as just going back and remembering a ton of details and stuff, it's just not there except for the times that we spent in the outdoors and, and doing things that, that we love. And those are the ones that stick with you. That they are, and that's even more, man. Like you, you got to cherish it. And for guys out there that are, you know, you're hunting with your grandfather, you're hunting with your dad, your brothers, your good friends. Get out there and go do it. Oh yeah, no, that that's the thing, man. Life's for the living, you know. If uh, even my sanity, I, I tell you what, if it wasn't for deer season, I couldn't stay married. My wife would hate me <laughs> more than she already does. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but my I, girlfriend don't listen to these. I always talk while smack on her. <laughs> yeah, but there's a certain level of clarity that comes with it though. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you're sitting in a, a tree stand, you know, uh, and I don't know you anybody's religious affiliation or whatever, and you can call it what you want, but when you're sitting out in a tree stand and you you've got nothing but thoughts in your head, though, there's things you can't run from. You know, those no, are real life problems that get worked through sitting on a tree stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I feel, I feel to the big man upstairs. That's when I feel the closest to him. That's, that's for dang. Yeah. Now, well, I'll, I'll tell you how I look at it. And uh, this is coming from somebody that my dad's a preacher. His dad was a preacher come from a long line of preachers. I guess I'm kind of the disappointment of the family, but the way I look at it, you know, like I feel like, I feel like a a big part of why we're here is to enjoy what he created. Oh, exactly. Like think about it. Think about having this work of art that you made, and then it's like, man, it's pretty. It'd be really cool if somebody could experience that, you know. And then actually making that happen and seeing people take away so much from what you did, like, I think that's a huge part of why we're here. I think you're right. Uh, that's, and that's where too, man, like I've, 
talking in talking about that and seeing all these different things, I would I would absolutely shit gourds to be able to travel and you know hunt out of state to experience the sun coming up over the mountains or something like that. Yeah. I mean, there's just different beauty wherever you go. And yeah, it gets me amped up. Makes me oh, my like right it. when we get done with this. Yeah, there's, there's nothing like it. I mean, in <laughs> uh, the one of the most attractive parts of it to me is the unpredictability. Yep. Like you don't know. I I've got a deer on my wall over there that I got a few years back, and uh, we had a, a really particular cold streak here in Georgia, like unseasonably cold, and uh, it, it was falling in in the rut and everything. Like it was just the stars were aligning perfectly. And it was like, I'm going to spend as much time as I can out there. So I had done like three all day sits through this cold and seen just a ton of deer and, uh, didn't see, you know, what I wanted to. And then on the fourth morning, it, my wife's best friend was actually getting married that day. And, uh, that, that fourth morning, you know, it was, it, I mean, it was cold. It was brutally cold. And down here is a different kind of cold too, because it's really humid. And so like, it's just a different, like the wind chill, it's just different. But that morning I had woken up and, uh, didn't even, my alarm clock didn't even go off. Like I was up before the alarm clock, but I was just beat over those last three days of all day sits and just, just drained physically and, uh, decided not to go out before daylight. Like I wasn't even going to go, you know, you know how you talk to yourself. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> We got that wedding this evening, you know, I've been out there. Uh, I, I deserve a, you know, I deserve a morning off. Well, I'm downstairs before daylight, you know, drinking coffee and you know, just watching Netflix or something, just being lazy. And it starts getting daylight outside. And in my mind, like, I'm like, God, I wonder what's going on out there right now, you know? And, uh, so after, after all these three day, all day sits is probably, it was a little bit after eight o'clock. I decided to ride out there. Well, I pull up to where I normally park and I keep my stuff. I drive a little, my, my hunting buggy is a little Jeep Wrangler. And yeah, I got a grade on the back of it and I keep all my gear back there and I'll change before I go in the woods. And, uh, I'm back there changing, you know, and I'm putting in like toasty toes. I'm getting ready for another cold day. And, um, all of a sudden inside the woods, I start, start hearing some like, some pitter patter if you want to call it i'm thinking okay okay and then uh like listen closer and i'm like i think i think something's getting run in there you know and i creep over to the edge of the woods where i kind of peer in there to see what was going on and uh just before i got there there were two does popped out and crossed the road that i was parked on it was just an old farm gravel road and uh as soon as those two does jumped out you know i hit one knee just i knew something was behind them and ended up killing a really nice buck i wasn't out there i wasn't out there ten, i had sat three days all day sits freezing my ass off and then i'm out there for mere minutes before all that transpires and is done like you just you don't know what's going to happen if you're not out there off the ground i'm assuming yeah that's freaking epic no, it was crazy. Like the 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 hood of my Jeep could not have been cold at that point. <laughs> I th I forgot 
I burnt the shit out of my toes because I forgot I put toasty toes in there. And I was so excited about everything going on. Like it was later on, like it hit me. Holy shit. My toes are on fire. Like <laughs> I just wasn't out there zero time hours in the stand before that. And then I'm out there for a matter of minutes after I had decided not to go out that morning. What I'm trying to say is nothing happens if you're not out there. I just, just get out there. It, law of averages. At some point, something good's going to happen. You're right. You can't kill them on the couch. Absolutely not. No, that's, that's probably one of the best things right there. If you, if you don't take away anything from what anybody tells you, just get out there and you can't kill them on the couch. Well, and you know, probably don't, don't put just a ton of focus on killing. Like every time you step out, there is an opportunity to learn. You yeah. Know, whether it's paying attention to body language, you know, uh, there's just so many in it is as many years as you hunt, you still always need refreshers too. Like I witnessed something that I ain't thought about in years, you know, and then uh, it just brings it back to mind. But there's just, it's a never ending process of learning, but there's just, there's nothing, there's just nothing like it. No. Well, Scott, we're kind of coming up on the uh, on the time hack here, but I want to thank you for coming on and talking about horny deer sense and just bullshitting with us about hunting deer and hunting turkeys, man. I, I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate the invite. It was cool to hang out. Uh, you know, just uh, you know, no matter what's going on in the world, it, it's cool to to connect with like minded people that you know, enjoy the things that you do. That is the truth, man. And I wanna I wanna give you an opportunity here to to tell people where they can find Horny Deer Sense, where they can buy your product, if they want to reach out to you personally, how they can get a hold of you. Yeah. So the website is www.hornydeersense.com. Uh, we're on Facebook and uh, Instagram. Um, I'm usually incredibly accessible if anybody's got any questions. And uh, yeah, if if you want to try it out, um, you know, we'll send you a free koozie or something just for giving us a shot. And if, if nothing else, we'll keep your beer cold. <laughs> oh, that's an important factor right there. There you go. <laughs> Guys, uh, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Stay safe out there. And if, if you get a second, please go down there on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We'd, uh, we'd love to hear some feedback. Stay safe and hunt relentlessly, folks.